With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to FOJC Radio, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching the doctrine of Christ to the whole world. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to FOJC Radio, where truth in the Word of God is found. Good morning and welcome to FOJC Radio Church. Grab your Bible and your pens and your paper and when two or three are gathered in His name, the Lord is right here with us. So thank you for joining us and here's Brother David. Good morning and welcome to the March 1st, Where Has February Gone, 2015 edition of FOJC Radio Church. I am David Carrico, and for the next hour we are going to be studying the Word of God. We are going to have a very hard-hitting lesson on Bible prophecy this morning called The Image of the Beast. The Image of the Beast. And I want each and every one of our listeners to thoroughly understand what the image of the beast is going to be and how it's going to play out. And the Word of God is very clear. And uh, this is going to be a very, very insightful lesson this morning. And as we do, we are going to prepare our hearts this morning with a time of worship. And we are going to be right back with our message on the image of the beast. to 
want to make a special mention of a testimony that we are playing on our auto DJ and also on the testimony section in our archives of Mary Dragonov. Mary is one of our new listeners from Australia, and we have her testimony on there concerning abortion, and we just thank you so much for that, Mary. We really appreciate it. We know it will be a blessing to anyone that takes the time to listen to it. And we just want to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. We just want to say how much we appreciate each and every one of you that listens and prays for us and supports us and shows us kindness. We are really in a battle here. We are in a battle that's only going to intensify. And we need your prayers. We need your prayers. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. We live on prayer around here. And we know that anyone that's in this fight, that they do also. Heavenly Father, we do thank you this morning. We thank you for the body of believers, the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather together this morning and receive forgiveness and cleansing of sins and anointing from the Holy Spirit to receive your word. Father, I just pray that you help Donna and help me this morning to bring forth your word, that you just help each and every one of our listeners to focus their mind upon your word this morning, that they might receive from your Holy Spirit. And we give you the praise for everything good that comes forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And we are going to begin in Revelation chapter 13 this morning. And we're going to read verses 13 and 14. And our lesson this morning is on the image of the beast. And we want to read the word of God very carefully. Revelation chapter 13, beginning in verse 13, is talking about the false prophet who will be one of the popes of Rome. And he is interacting here with the first beast of Revelation 13, who upon a proper understanding of Daniel chapter 7, he will be one of the presidents of the United States. We are the beast empire. We are the beast empire right now. And uh, we're going to revisit Daniel 7 in the near future because that's another thing. We need to see it. We need to see it clearly and not be fooled about it. But the word of God says, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Now, this gives us the location of where the false prophet will do his miracles in the sight of the beast. So, we are going to have the false prophet with the first beast and he is going to do miracles that no doubt will be on television that everyone will see. And the miracles he does when he is with the beast will cause the worship the, the world to worship the first beast and to worship him as God. Now, in the middle of verse 14, there is a semicolon. Now, I want to read the last part of Revelation 13, 14. It says this, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image. Now, thanks to our beloved Left Behind films, most people have the wrong idea that the image of the beast will be a central statue that will be set up in a rebuilt temple where the people will have to file by and worship this image. Now, no doubt there will be an image and an idol by the false prophet, but this is not what this is talking about. Read your Bible very carefully. Let's look at the last half of verse 14 again. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. We are talking about 
each and every follower of the beast making an image. It's not your own personal savior, it's your own personal idol. Now, I want to draw our attention to that word here in verse 14, that they should make. I want to look at that word make in the Greek. It is number 4160 in the Greek. That's your Strong's number. And the Greek word is polio. I'm going to read what the Word Study New Testament says about the word polio, which is the word here for make. It says to make, to endow a person or thing with a certain quality. Polio may well refer to the doing once and for all the producing and bringing forth something which, when produced, has an independent existence of its own. So we're not talking about every follower of the beast getting a mold and casting an idol and getting an engraving tool, but we are talking about each and every person, each and every person that follows the beast getting this idol and making it their own personal idol, endowing it with a uh, quality and existence of its own. And we're going to see just how this happens, and this is exactly what happens here. Now, this specific form of idolatry was prophesied in the Old Testament. I want us to look at the second chapter of Isaiah. The Word of God is amazing. And the Word of God speaks prophetically in Isaiah chapter 2 of the very thing which we see in Revelation 13. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 12 says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Now the day of the Lord is the day of the Lord's return, when the judgment of God will fall upon the ungodly. Now, the description of that, beginning in verse 17 of Isaiah 2, let's read. And the loftiness of men shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day, and the idols he shall utterly abolish, and they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth, for fear of the Lord, and for the glory of his majesty, when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver, and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself. Notice how specific the language is there. Which they made each one for himself. At the time the Lord returns, the idolaters will have a personal idol that everyone made for themselves. This is the image of the beast. Let me read verse 20 and 21 again. Make sure you get it. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks, for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty, when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. So when we read these scriptures, we immediately, and this is what we have to do, we have to hear the word of the Lord. We have to put from our minds these false scenarios that are imposed upon us by so-called prophecy teachers because when people hear the image of the beast, that's what they think about, and that is not what the word of God is telling us here. Now, how this is going to play out prophetically is just going to be exactly how it is has played out historically. And I'm going to give you an example from the Old Testament and from the Do. Now let's go to the book of Judges, chapter 18. And your own personal idol, this is nothing new. And in the Old Testament, these were called the teraphim. 
the teraphim. And I want to read the scripture in Judges chapter 18, verse 17 and 18. And in the Old Testament, the teraphim are associated with a specific tribe. And that is the tribe of Dan. Now, we have taught in the past how that the tribe of Dan is associated with the secret society, the Priory of Sion, which is embedded within Roman Catholicism. There are basically two secret societies that will bring forth the two beasts, the Priory of Sion, working out of Roman Catholicism, and Freemasonry and the Knights Templar, working out of the institution of Freemasonry. Now, in Judges 18, beginning in verse 17, let's read the scripture. And the five men that went to spy out the land went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image and the priest stood in the entering of the gate with the six hundred men that were appointed with weapons of war and these went into Micah's house and fetched the carved image, the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. Then said the priest unto them, What do ye? And in Judges 18, this is the story of how the tribe of Dan took captive this priest and these images and incorporated them into the worship of the tribe of Dan. And in the book of Revelation, when we read in Revelation chapter 7 the list of the tribes, the tribe of Dan is omitted. And we have brought forth in the past how that Irenaeus in the second century taught that the beast would come from the tribe of Dan and also Hippolytus, who was the student of Irenaeus, he also taught. And I've read his writings, how the, the beast would come from the tribe of Dan. And I believe that. I believe it's solid. And I believe that, uh, you know, the this is something that we might not know until later on to get confirmation. But this is something that you want to file away and remember because I believe you're going to see that this is going to play out and be true. Now, what do you see in every town in America? If you would drive your car around your community, what would you see? You would see out in the yards statues of the Virgin Mary and their little shrines. And this is their own personal idol. They have made these shrines, and this is nothing new. Just like the teraphim in the Old Testament in the tribe of Dan, now Roman Catholicism has taught people to have their own personal idols. They have them on the dashboards of the cars, around their neck, and on and on and on. And the same is certainly true with Freemasonry and in the Masonic temples. Now, when the false prophet comes, he's going to cause the lost to worship the beast with the image, and there's going to be a new mass that will lift up the beast as the God that had the wound with the sword and did live. Now, this is not an assassination resurrection scenario, as many say, but this is who this God is. He is the dying God of the mysteries, Nimrod, who died, and Semiramis taught that he was reincarnated in their son, Tammuz. He is the God who was worshipped at the, the spring equinox and the winter solstice. This is why the holidays pay, play such a large role in the apostate church because these are the days of the dying God. These are the holidays of the God that they worship. Whether you call it Nimrod, whether you call it Tammuz, whether you call it Hiram Abiff or Bacchus, this is the dying God. And he will claim to be the final reincarnation of the dying God. Now, below the chat room, we have some images that I would like you to scroll down and take a look at. And we have down there, below our little cows, the first image there is a Masonic image. 
and it is a woman there with a uh, beastie-looking creature behind it. And sometimes uh, there is, in Freemasonry, just a broken column. And this symbolizes the goddess. And it symbolizes the weeping over the goddess. Like we'll give you the scripture in the weeping over Tammuz. And this is sometimes just represented in Freemasonry by the broken column. Now below that, we have is what, call, what is called a pieta. Now the pieta in Catholicism is Mary weeping over Jesus. Now, this is not the real Jesus. This is not the real Mary. And this again symbolizes the woman weeping over the slain God. Now, let's get the scripture. So, I think the Pieta, I don't know just exactly what this final image will be, but the Pieta would certainly be very appropriate because the Pieta brings together Masonic symbolism and Catholic symbolism. And this is what it's going to be. Uh, we had a chart up there at one time from a Rosicrucian that actually showed that it will be the reuniting of the Virgin Mary and Hiram Abiff as the male and female principles that will bring this about. Now, let's look at the Word of God in uh, Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 14. And it's also interesting that Anthony Hort of Westcott and Hort fame, that they, uh, in Hort's letters, Anthony Hort said that he wrote to his wife, I believe, that when he was in Rome, he was in front of a Pieta, and he said, oh my, I could have just stayed there for hours. Hort loved to, to worship and meditate in front of the Pieta, and certainly him and Westcott's heart, they were with Rome, they weren't with the Lord. But let's read the scripture in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 14. It says, Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. And Tammuz was supposedly the reincarnation of Nimrod, and every spring... At the spring equinox, the women would weep for Tammuz, and uh, then they would celebrate his resurrection. And in December, uh, at the winter solstice, they would mourn his death, and you know, on and on and on. The women would weep and rejoice, and it was all centered around the spring equinox and the winter solstice. You know, and this is why. You see, people are being set up. You know, people today are so indoctrinated with the Easter and Christmas thing that it's going to be natural for them to accept this dying God. It's going to be very, very natural for them. Now, what we have today, every night on the news, is Barack Obama talking about how uh, he will not say that Islamic terrorism is Islamic terrorism. He will not say the words because he is sold out to the principle of multicultural worship. Now, this states that no religion can be offended. You can't offend anybody. And, of course, to him, that means anybody but the real Christians. Now, this is laying the foundation each and every night when we see this on television, the foundation is being laid now for the final revelation of the worship of the beast. And in Isaiah 17 and 1, as we have taught and warned for a long time, the event that is going to trigger the institution of this is the war that is spoken of in Isaiah chapter 17. Let me read verse 1 again for you. In Isaiah 17 and 1, The burden of Damascus, behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. And this war is going to involve nuclear weapons in the Middle East and in Northern Africa. 
It's going to be a horrific loss of life. It's going to so terrify the world that the the Pope and Obama, they are going, or if it is this Pope and Obama, it might be another one or it might be Obama. I can't say for sure. But the Pope and the President, they're going to say, this was caused by Christian fundamentalists. This was caused by Muslim and Jewish fundamentalists. The only way to save the world from more of this is to outlaw fundamentalism. And multicultural worship will be the norm with the new mass, with the new image, and the new little idol that everyone must get. And this is being laid, the foundation of this is being laid each and every day. It's being preached to us now. It's been put into our minds. People are being programmed and people are being indoctrinated. And thus it is and thus it goes. Now, we're going to take our first break this morning and we're going to begin a new section and we are going to lay point by point just exactly, we're going to get a clear and unmistakable picture of the image of the beast. It's coming at us like a freight train. We need to see it, we need to understand it, and we're going to see it clear as day. And we'll be right back, right after this break. Do you have questions about the end of the world? Have you just been totally confused by what you've heard in different teachings well you know we have some little booklets that would probably help you out with some of this we have one uh, it's b16 and it's called the 70 weeks and where do you find the truth about the 70 weeks of daniel this book uh, refutes the popular tree pre-trib false doctrine but it also explains how what the 70 weeks is how it's divided when it started when it ends and it's very helpful it's uh we offer it for a suggested donation of eight dollars and we have another little book we call uh the myth of the rebuilt temple and the true identity of this restrainer i bet you've heard a lot about who the restrainer is we've heard a lot of different teachings on that but we feel there will be no rebuilt jewish temple according to what jesus said the Holy Spirit is not the restrainer, and that is the popular teaching by the pre-tribbers. And that book is available for a donation of, a suggested donation of $5, and it's B-17. Then we have another book that might be helpful, it's B-18, The Cleansing of the Sanctuary and the Abomination of Desolation. You know, Jesus has already cleansed the Jewish temple. What is the real abomination? What does this have to do with Roman Catholics? All these questions are answered, and it's offered for a suggested donation of $5 as well. And then we have uh, the latest book that we wrote. It's B19, and we call it the Luciferian Transmutation, the Global Luciferian Mass, and what it means to you. What's the difference between transubstantiation and transmutation? The end time deception and and what the organization of Freemasonry knows about it. These are discussed and much, much more info in here. It's a book that will open your eyes to what's coming upon our earth. And it's offered for a suggested donation of $12. If you're interested in any of these materials, just call us at 812-473-3735 or uh, you can uh, contact us by email at lastdayschurch at cs.com. And thank you so much for listening to our program. You're listening to FOJC Radio, where truth in the Word of God is found.
Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Praise the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to worship the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to get right back to work because we've got a lot of ground to cover. Um, Psalm 135. I want to begin with verse 15. And worship changes you. Worship changes you. And you will become like what you worship. Let's read it in the Word of God, Psalm 135, beginning in, beginning in verse 15. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. 
If you make an idol and trust in it, you will be like unto them. You will become like what you worship. Now, this is also laid down for us as a principle in the New Testament. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. You're going to love this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18. And now the lights are going to really begin to come on. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord if we what we worship will change us to be like what we worship and if you worship the lord you are changed into the image of the lord and if you worship the beast you are changed into the image of the beast Now, we're going to get some really clear, it's starting to come, just exactly what this image is. Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him which created him. The people of God are the image of the Lord. And the people of the beast, they are the image of the beast. We become the image of what we worship. Now also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27, we become the body of what we worship. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. The followers of Jesus Christ are the image and the body of Christ and the followers of the beast are the image and the body of the beast. There's the true church and there's the harlot church. Now, I want to get very specific here. Now, my Bible is the King James 1611 and my dictionary is the Webster's 1828 and I want to bring out my Webster's 1828 and I want to read something that's very shocking and I want to ask the question what do all organized religious bodies have in common whether it's Roman Catholic, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, whatever it is, Southern Baptist, what do they all have in common? And that thing that they have in common is that they are all government corporations. Now, I want to read from the dictionary, the Webster's 1828, what a corporation is. A body politic or corporate formed and authorized by law to act as a single person, a society having the capacity of transacting business as an individual. And a corporation lets the many act and do business as one. And they speak as one. And of course, you speak into the head of what you are incorporated into. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, the Word of God says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, the doctrine of Christ, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. But... When a group of people incorporate under the 501c3 law, they make an agreement not to speak against the government. They make other yellow dog contracts not to endorse a political candidate. And these become the head and the rulership over them. 
Now, I want everybody to listen very carefully to what I say and what I don't say because there's a lot of fanaticism and error concerning this understanding, and we want to get it precisely biblically correct as much as is humanly possible, and we can. Now, I want to read on in the dictionary what it goes on to say, and this is just absolutely unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. But this is what it says reading on in Webster's Dictionary. Corporations aggregate consist of two or more persons uniting in a society. What did Jesus say in Matthew 18.20? For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. It is absolutely the opposite of what the church is. And that's what we're going to have. We are going to have a true church, and we are going to have a harlot church. Now, I don't want anyone to say, I want to go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, and I do not want anyone to say that I teach that everyone that goes into a 501c3 church is going to hell, or that every minister in a 501c3 church is going to hell. I don't believe that because it's not true. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and following, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. That's what saves you. And there are many people out there that they don't know 501c3 from old Cooter's dog. And uh, they are not going to be sent to hell when they're doing all that they know to do. And there are a few ministers out there. I wish to, I could say there's a lot, but there's not a lot. But there are a few out there that I certainly believe they're trying to do the very best they can. But what should our attitude be toward the federal 501c3? And I want you to hear me and hear me very good this morning. While we cannot blanketly put everyone in hell that's in the 501c3 and every preacher, this is why, and I want you to hear me this morning, churchgoers, this is why you need to get out of your 501c3 church and get out of it now. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. If you are, a born-again believer, and you're out there in the American church world, there is a almost a certainty that you are going to hear doctrines that are going to cause you to apostatize. These doctrines of apostasy, and they're just as rampant in the Protestant as in the Catholic. Rick Warren is doing everything he can to institute Chrislam, and uh, he's on the Council of Foreign Relations, and I could go into detail on many, and I know I'm speaking to the choir this morning, but what apostasy is in 1 Timothy 4 and 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And people that are truly born again if you eat at the table of apostasy, you will imbibe that which will cause you to apostatize from the true faith. The Lord is your shepherd, so do not drink out of dirty puddles. Go to the Lord. Go to the Word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to take you back to the doctrine of Christ and you will not fall if you stand in the true faith. Now, in Luke chapter 8 and verse 13, the words of Jesus, Luke chapter 8 and verse 13, the scripture says here, 
They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. The number of assemblies, and there are some, that teach how to live the Christian life are scarce as hen's teeth. There is almost, not totally, there is almost a universal ignorance of how to live the Christian life, how to deal with sin by faith in the cross. And just here in Evansville, which I can speak to, I know of one church in Evansville that speaks against the pagan holidays. That is a uh, Messianic Jewish congregation. And there's other problems there, but God bless them for standing up for that. I don't know of a single assembly in Evansville that speaks out against Freemasonry. We are the third largest city in Indiana, and there's not a one, no, not one. I do not know of a single assembly in Evansville, Indiana, that teaches the correct way to overcome sin by faith in the cross. Now, I know of a few around the country that are 501c3s that do that, but it's very, very, very rare. And there's a mixture. There's you, you can't speak universally, but this is just almost a universal uh, accepted rule. The darkness is deep, and the darkness is wide, and the few exceptions to this are just extremely rare. Now, in Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4, we need to understand what's going to happen. We need to understand that beast number one is going to be one of the presidents of the United States, and beast number two will be one of the popes of Rome, and quite possibly one of our presidents that takes over the UN. But in Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. What happens if you don't come out? You're going to share in the sin. You're going to share in the plagues. Now, one of the first things that's going to happen when, when the shoe drops, when the bomb goes off and Isaiah 17 becomes a reality, the President of the United States is not going to take a vote but to stop this further destruction by fundamentalist multicultural worship will be a law and the 501c3 churches in the United States of America, they are going to be put under the Church of Rome in one fell swoop. And if you're a member of a 501c3 church, you are going to be one of the first ones that they will be knocking on your door to make sure that you are going to be going along with the program. And now, why in the world, if you there is no way that a person that understands and believes this would want to stay in that harlot image of the beast for one second? And actually, the 501c3 church is the foundation for the image of the beast. It is the people, but it is also the structure that is going to contain those people. And this is coming down, and it's not coming down over in Germany somewhere with Angela Merkel. It's coming down right here in the United States. We need to understand it. And it's at the door. Listen to the news every night. Barack Obama is reciting this like a mantra. Uh, and, and it's here. Now, I want to read Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31. So be clear. I want you to be clear and very clear and understand what I'm saying. While we cannot say 
that every person in a 501c3 is lost or every 501c3 preacher, what we can say is that now is the time to get out. And if people don't get this revelation and this understanding from the Word of God, now's the time to get out. The chances of losing your soul are very real, and they are very, very serious. In Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31, something that I hear a lot from people, they'll tell me, and I hear this a lot from Catholics, they'll say, well, I don't believe what the Catholic Church says but I am called by God to stay in it and change it. No, you're not. I hear the same thing from other people that attend these uh, non-Catholic churches that teach all of these dingbat, crazy doctrines of devils. They'll say, well, I just go there for fellowship. I don't believe that. I don't like it. Well, yes, you do like it or you wouldn't be there. This is what the Word of God says in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. The reason why false prophets and priests can keep doing what they're doing is because people support them, and the reason why they support them is they like it. So don't give me this. I go there, but I don't like it stuff. If you don't get out, you are going to share in their sin and you are going to share in their judgment. There's no other way to read the Word of God. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's be very clear on what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God does not teach assimilation. The Word of God does not teach compromise. The Word of God teaches biblical separation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And if you want to touch the unclean thing, he won't receive you. In verse 18, And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The word of God is very clear that God's people are to separate themselves from paganism. And it's just very, very clear. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 13, and let's read verse 15, and let's get a deeper understanding of just exactly how this is going to happen. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 15 says this, Revelation 13, 15. And he, speaking of the false prophet, had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, this I'm going to show you. Let's go to Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. This is not talking about the actual statue doing the boogie-woogie. We've got some of that now. We've got weeping statues. We've even got on our website of one of the statues in Italy, of the, the BVM doing the two-step. And we've had this for a long time, and we're going to have more of it, and it will increase 
But that's not what this is talking about. In Revelation chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, the scripture says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the work of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. These personal idols that everyone has, that they make their own little personal idol, the idol itself is not going to be moving, but this speaking is going to take place in the minds of those that worship the beast. Now, I want to explain to you expressly how this is going to take place. I want to read from a book called The Beautiful Side of Evil. It was written by a lady by the name of Joanna Michelson. For over a year, she was a personal assistant to a psychic surgeon in uh, Mexico. And boy, if you've never read about psychic surgery, oh boy. But she was involved in what was called Silva Mind Control. And I'm going to use this as an example of how people are taught to receive their spirit guides. And this is exactly what we're talking about here. The speaking and talking of the image is going to take place in the mind of the followers of the beast. It's not like uh, one wrong idea is that everybody goes to third and main and worships the image of the beast. No, everybody makes their own personal idol. And then it's not the idol that's going to speak. It's going to be in their mind. Revelation 9.20 says that thing can't walk. It can't talk. But here's, here's an example of how uh, Joanna Michelson received her spirit guide in Silva Mind Control. And they were told to create a laboratory by visualization in their mind. She said, The laboratory was a room of our own choosing, which we created in our minds. It was to be our haven and refuge, our place for solving problems. It could look any way we wanted. Some chose French provincial, others early American. My room was a cave. And after they created their laboratory... They were asked to choose who they wanted their counselor or spirit guide to be. She goes on. She says, There was no question at all in my mind who I wanted for my counselors. There was no higher source of wisdom to whom I could appeal than Jesus. So she asked Jesus to be her counselor. She goes on. She says, We were counted slowly down to our alpha level by Tom and entered now our fully established laboratory. We sat each in our chair and by means of a control switch located on the arm, which was in their mind, slowly brought down the special door of our compartment to reveal little by little our counselors. And then, there it was. Jesus appeared before her. And when you... Here's another thing to remember. When you lower your alpha level... Occult meditation through breathing techniques and emptying your mind, that's how occult meditation works. Christian meditation will focus your mind and make it active. That's how you tell the difference. But then she prayed. She said, Oh Lord, I prayed, please reveal the counselors I'm truly meant to have. The chamber door began lowering, the radiance shining from behind it, but something was wrong. The hair was wild and matted, the forehead was covered with coarse fur, and the eyes were slanted. Fresh blood smeared the muzzle and oozed down long white fangs, and she saw revealed that her so-called counselor was not really Jesus at all, but it was some devil. And this is what the false prophet is going to do. He is going to cause each one of the followers of the beast to receive the beast as their spirit guide. And as they worship their own personal idol, 
the beast will speak to them and come alive in their minds. This is how the image of the beast specifically is going to come down and this is going to lay the foundation for each and every person to make the image, to take the mark, and to worship and publicly confess that the beast is the true God, the dying God. And of course, this, contrary to what John MacArthur teaches, this will damn your soul for all eternity. This is why we need to understand right now what the image of the beast and if you are in this 501c3 mess you need to get out of it and you need to get out of it now before it's everlastingly too late and there will be some when the hammer comes down there will be some in the 501c3 church that will fight against them and God bless them for it but it's going to be too late. The hammer is going to come down and uh, they're going to be knocking on their doors and they're going to be coming after them. They're going to be the first ones to go down. Now, we are going to continue next week uh, the Image of the Beast Part 2 because there's more things that we need to understand about this and we, we need to take the time to fully understand the specific ramifications of how this is going to play out. But the people of God need not be fearful. We need not hang our heads. Jesus said, when these things begin to come to pass, look up, because your redemption draweth nigh. While the 501c3 church is in exactly the wrong position, we as the remnant of God, we are in exactly the right position position and God has positioned us to minister not only to the 501c3 church but the lost and this will be one of the greatest mission fields when when this begins to take place there's going to be a great harvest and many souls that we're going to lead to the Lord uh, out of these these churches because it's going to be mass chaos and sad to say, most people, most people are going to go along with it and they are going to sell their soul literally for a bowl of porridge. Well, we're out of time this morning and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, each and every one that studies and prays and supports our ministry. We are in this thing to the end. We're not going to go anywhere till we get knocked out of here. And uh, we're going to be here just as long as the Lord chooses. So we're going to close out with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation of the Holy Spirit. Father, we do not receive these things in fear, but we receive them with the encouragement. Like you said in your word, we lift up our heads because we are excited that our soon coming King and our redemption draweth nigh. Father, bless each and every one of our listeners encourage us in the faith and bring us back together next week on FOJC Radio Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being a part of FOJC Radio Church. You can contact us at FOJC, Post Office Box 4174, Evansville, Indiana, 47724-4174. Or you can call us at area code 812-473-3735. Or you can email us at 
lastdayschurch at cs.com. Or you can check out our website at www.ritualabusefree.org. That's all one word, ritualabusefree.org. That's R-I-T-U-A-L-A-B-U-S-E-F-R-E-E dot O-R-G. And please remember to tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Time. Thanks and God bless. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.